Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, lo and behold, the great bearded one, the next thing you know, he's going to be repainting the Sistine Chapel with that beard that he's got. You know, it came out pretty good. I kind of like that goatee that you have. I still don't know how long it's going to last. We'll see. What would you call it? I mean, it's a mustache that's separated actually from the goatee. So is that, uh, what is that called? It's called, the rest of it was bugging me so bad I cut it off. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Okay. <laughs> but it does look, it makes you look very dignified. Well, thank you. Like maybe you're going to be, you know, serving as an entourage in the, in the government or well, something. Yeah, I mean, you know, I am a, uh, yeah. Well, let's just move on. Then. Okay, good. <laughs> so I got to say, folks, I was up in Coeur d'Alene this past week with my daughter, and we had bicycles. I'm going to have you move the mic away about an inch. How's that? That's better. Thanks. Okay. And we took our bikes over. Uh, there's a trail called the Hiawatha Trail, and it's an old railroad bed. Here in Idaho? Uh, it's on the Idaho-Montana border. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's east of Coeur d'Alene, but it's about 15 and a half miles of this railroad bed that go that's a gradual downslope, so it's not that hard of a ride. But you go through these tunnels, over these trestles. On a bicycle? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's wide, and it's, it's safe. And you don't hear anything coming up no, behind you like, no, whoo, whoo. There's no tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful ride, folks, if you ever get a chance to do it. Uh, it, it's well worth it. Really? And but, you, you bicycled that? I did. 15, you? I mean, out of shape you. Fifteen and a half miles. <laughs> oh, my But I said God. it was downhill, mostly. Oh, okay. Just a gradual downhill. It sounds like fun. It was. So i got to say hi to Chris, who mentioned he'd like to see us uh, do a show on the Santa Fe Trail, another one on Captain William Becknell and Marion Russell, so i got to look that up. And then David... Uh, wrote and said that back in the Northeast, they used the term mechanic for contractors, painters, stuff like that. Because, you know, you and I had talked about mechanics. I did not and know we that. Didn't, and we didn't yeah. know that. Now, Michael in Virginia said that his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was a Methodist circuit rider back then. Now, you went to school with him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was my, <laughs> my brother's age. But he suggested a, a story on Mary Draper Ingalls, and I'm, that's what we're going to do today. From the Virginia. Little House on the Prairie? No, 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 no. Oh, no. No, this is a whole different one. Yeah. This oh. is not hooked into to that Ingalls. I see. Okay. So Mary Draper Ingalls uh, is known as Mary Ingalls or even Mary English, and she was an American pioneer, uh, early settler of western Virginia. In the summer of 1755, she and her two young sons were among several captives taken by Shawnee after what they had, what they called the Draper's Meadow Massacre, and this was during the French and Indian War. Oh. Well, they were taken to Lower Shawnee Town at the Ohio and Ski. Skiato Rivers? Does it, I want to say Skiatuck? Skiato, no, S-C-I-O-T-O. Skiatuck. I don't know. River. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Ingalls escaped with another woman. After two and a half months, they trekked five to six hundred miles, crossing a bunch of rivers, creeks, and the Appalachian Mountains to get home. Now, there's a. here's where things get a little bit uh, fuzzy, Zeb. There's some different accounts about her capture and her escape. From the Indians. Yes. So, folks, uh, this 
could be. I'm hoping this is pretty accurate. Okay. Uh, I've read the book about it. But um, anyway, Mary Draper Ingalls was born in 1732 in Philadelphia to George and Eleanor Draper. And they'd come across from Ireland between 1740 and 1744. Uh, the Draper family moved to western Virginia, settling on the James River. Now, around 1744, her dad, George Draper, went on an exploratory trip in what is now West Virginia, and he never came back. Mm. Just gone. Don't know if he was killed or broke his leg or whatever, eaten by a bear. So about four or five years later, his family established a place called Draper's Meadow, which was a pioneer settlement on the banks of a place called Struble's Creek, and that's near Blacksburg, Virginia. You know, there's a lot of Struble's and Black's Creeks and everything like that. Isn't okay, so Blacksburg, yeah. Virginia? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So in 1750, uh, Mar- uh, Mary married a fellow settler named William Ingalls, and they had two sons. Thomas, born in 1751. Two years later, George was born in 1753. Now, here's where it starts. July 30th, 1755, during the French and Indian War, a band of Shawnee warriors, who were then allies of the French, they raided Draper's Meadow. They killed six settlers, including Mary's mother and her infant niece. They took five captives, including Mary and her two sons, her sister-in-law, Betty Robertson Draper, and her neighbor, Henry Leonard. Now, Mary's husband was nearly killed, but he was able to escape. So they've got these five captives, uh, Mary, her sister-in-law, and this older man, and then her two sons. I see. That are just like uh, maybe two and four years old. Oh, my. So fairly young. But the Indians took their captives along with several horses loaded with things they took from the settlers' homes, and they traveled northwest along the New River, then along the Ohio River. They traveled for a month to a place called Lower Shawnee Town, and it's located on the confluence of the, and again, I don't know if I'm saying this right, the Scioto River and the Ohio River. Well, I can say Ohio. Yeah, (laughs) so it's right in there somewhere, folks. Now, upon arrival at the town, the prisoners were made to undergo the ritual of running the gauntlet. Ah, yeah. Now, the gauntlet, gauntlet means to take part in kind of a, corporal punishment, and this took place years and years ago in yeah. Europe, uh, where uh, guilty people were run between two rows of soldiers. So uh, this was something that uh, wasn't just uh, unique to the Indian tribes. So, But anyway, when their warriors arrive within a mile of their village, it's their custom to kind of whip those uh, captives so as to uh, as they go and get closer to the to the village. Well, according to her son, Mary was not required to do this. Mary was separated from her sons, who were adopted by Shawnee families. So, again, they were just young, maybe two, three, four, five years old, right in there. Well, Mary's oldest, Thomas, was taken to Detroit. Her sister-in-law, Betty, was taken to what is now Chillicothe, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And her youngest son, George, was taken to an unknown location and died soon after that. Oh, my. So, now, one source states that another captive, Mary's neighbor, Henry Leonard, the other man I mentioned, he later escaped, but we don't really have any details as to how or where he ended up. 
But an article in a paper called the New York Mercury of 1756 describes Mary's capture and escape. And it mentions that while in Lower Shawnee Town, she saw, quote, a considerable number of English prisoners who have been taken captive from the frontiers of Virginia. And, you know, we've heard lots of stories of, you know, uh, captives being taken. Now, have they been forced to run that gauntlet yet? Yes, and some of them didn't survive. That's what I was going to say. Maybe you could explain exactly the torture that they had to go through in that running of the gauntlet. Right. They had the Indians on each side, and the people uh, had to run through there while they were being beaten by steel and clubs and whatever, and if they happened to make it through, they were okay. If they didn't, sometimes they had to start over, and some just never made it. Never made it. Never made it. But anyway, soon after being taken prisoner, Mary actually gave birth to a daughter. Now, this is where things get a little bit uh, sketchy. We don't know for sure. One source says that she had a baby right after she got there I see. Uh, as a prisoner. But she sewed shirts uh, using cloth traded to the Indians by French traders and was paid in goods for her work. Uh, this Mercury newspaper account states that Mary was also assigned, quote, to attend the Indians as servant, to dress their victuals and stretch the skins they might procure. In October 1755, about three weeks after reaching Lower Shawnee Town, she was taken to the Big Bone Salt Lick to make salt for the Indians by boiling brine. So there was a salt lick, and they would boil the brine to get salt Uh for the Indians. Now, while working at the Big Bone Lick in October... Okay, we're getting late. I'm glad you're saying all these things. (laughs) In late October. (laughs) So it's getting cold, Zeb. In 1755, Mary persuaded another captive woman referred to as the old Dutch woman, but she might have been German, to escape with her. All right. Now, the next day, probably 19th of October, they asked permission of the Indians to go into the forest to gather wild grapes, and they set off, retracing the route the Indians had followed after Mary was taken captive in July. So they, they left. They were heading out. They wore moccasins and carried only a tomahawk and a knife, which they both eventually were lost, and two blankets. Now, as they were leaving the camp, they met three French traders from Detroit who were harvesting walnuts, and Mary traded her old dull tomahawk for a new one. I see. Now, the women went north following the Ohio River as it curves to the east. Now, expecting they were going to be chased, they tried to hurry, but it turns out the Shawnee only made a brief search, and they just figured that the women had been probably eaten or carried off by wild animals. Really? So they really weren't even being chased. Now, uh, the Shawnee uh, told this account uh, later to Mary's son, Thomas Ingalls. Oh, she left her boy there. Right, because he was adopted out, remember. The other boy died, but Thomas, many years later, they were reunited. Oh, my. Now, after four or five days, the women reached the junction of the Ohio and the other river, and there they found an abandoned cabin, and it had some corn, an old horse in the back. They took the horse to carry the corn, but the horse was lost in the river when they tried to make him cross. They followed the Ohio and the New Rivers. Now, during their journey, they crossed at least 145 creeks and rivers. Oh, my. Now, here's what's remarkable, Zeb. Neither woman could swim. So when they came to a river, they had to go upriver until they could find a way to cross and then come back down to the Ohio. Wow. Now, on at least one occasion, they tied logs together with a grapevine. And These made two a- women did all that? Yeah. 
They made a raft to cross a big river, and they may have traveled as much as five to 600 miles, averaging between 11 and 21 miles a day. You and I couldn't make a raft to go across Rock Creek. (laughs) No, we couldn't. Now, once the corn ran out, they subsisted on black walnuts, wild grapes, pawpaws, and I'm not sure what a pawpaw is. I don't think we want to know. Sassafras leaves, blackberries, roots, and frogs, but as the... Frogs? Frogs, you know, frog legs. Oh, yeah. But as the weather got colder, they were forced to eat dead animals they found along the way. On several occasions, they saw... You always do this to my lunch crowd. I know. On several occasions, they saw Indians hunting, and each time managed to avoid being seen. On one occasion, they were able to attain deer meat from a kill that was abandoned by an Indian, and they got... And here's what she said... Quote, having gotten near an Indian before they saw him, but as he was busy in skinning a deer, he did not see them till they hid themselves behind a log, towards which the Indian's dog kept a continual barking, which frightened the Indian, Indian as well as the women, and having dispatched the skinning of his deer with as much speed as possible, he made off, leaving the carcass behind him, which afterwards afforded an agreeable repast to the starving travelers, and after having satiated their hunger, took as much of the meat along as they could carry, and pursued their journey, making the river their guide, and feeding on grapes and nuts for their support. You know, in the old days, they really used all the English language. They did. Uh, I, I I love reading some of those wow. stories. That, some uh, of the words you used you don't hear anymore. No, you don't. So, again, I said this was starting in mid-October. So yeah, it's cold. By now, the temperature had dropped. It was starting to snow. And the two women, they were weak from starvation. At some point, the old Dutch woman became, quote, very disheartened and discouraged and tried to kill Mary. Oh, my. According to reports, the two women drew lots to decide, quote, which one of them was to be eaten by the other. There you go again. You now, messed up my lunch crowd. They're, they're hungry, Zeb. Yeah, I can tell. Mary managed to, quote. Weren't there any towns? No, nothing. They were along this. They were on the frontier. You know? So wow. Mary managed to, quote, keep her in good humor. Uh, the Dutch woman by promising quote a sum of money to be paid by her, to her by Mary's father-in-law upon their safe return to Draper's Meadow. I see. Soon after they reached into the mouth of the New River, the old old Dutch woman made a second attempt on Mary's life. Now this is probably about the end of November, but Mary quote got loose and outran her. <laughs> <laughs> The the uh, newspaper article states, quote, The Dutch woman attempted to kill her in order, as it was supposed, to eat her. But Mary, after a fierce struggle, released herself and fled away. How much of this documentation is... Totally kind of, accurate? Yeah. I, that's why I began the story with... I don't know. Yeah. Now, I'm, okay. I read a book called uh, Follow the River, and that's the whole story of this. But... There's different accounts. I see. Now, uh, so Mary hid in the forest, waited until dark, then continued along the riverbank. She found a canoe. She crossed the New River at its junction with the East River near what is new now Glen Lynn, Virginia. Haven't okay. Where's the mad Dutch woman? Oh, she's still coming. Oh, okay. Mary continued southeast along the riverbank, passing through the present-day location of Pembroke. 
Four or five days after leaving the old Dutch woman, she reached the home of her friend Adam Harmon on or about the 1st of December, 1755. This is 42 days after leaving Big Bone Lick. So five or six hundred miles. Oh, my. Now, shortly afterward, a search party went back and found the old Dutch woman. Uh, This guy Harmon took her to the fort at a place called Dunkard's Bottom where she joined a wagon party traveling to Winchester, Virginia. Virginia, with the goal of returning to her home in Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. Now, I know what you're going to say, Zeb. What happened? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. But I won't. Okay. After recovering from her journey and reuniting with her husband, she got back with her husband. Oh, I forgot about she was married. Yeah, and her husband, like say, had escaped, you know, went yeah. and attacked. Well, Mary and her husband resumed farming at this place called Dunkard's Bottom until the following spring. Now, she was concerned about more Shawnee raids on neighboring settlements. They, they moved to a place called Fort Vaz, but Mary was still uneasy and persuaded her husband to move again. And a short time later, Fort Vaz was attacked by Shawnee Indians, and everybody was killed, including Mary's two brothers-in-law. So she basically escaped. I have a question. Okay. Now, did the husband ever make any attempts to find his wife, Mary? Yes, he did. Uh, He set out a number of times on horseback and uh, with people. He sounded like a deadbeat there for a while. No, he tried very hard to, 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 to follow you. Well, the Ingalls had actually four more children, uh, and she died in 1859 at age 83. Um, Anyway, now Mary's son, George, I mentioned the younger one, he died in captivity. But Thomas, who was age four when taken captive, was ransomed and returned to Virginia in 1768. Now, he was taken by the Indians. Right. But then they sold him? He was adopted into a Shawnee family. Oh, at age four. Okay. So at the age of 17, he was ransomed. Okay, But after 13 years with the Shawnee, he had become fully acculturated with, the, and he spoke only Shawnee. But he underwent, underwent uh, several years of kind of rehabilitation and education and was able to kind of readapt back into Does the... Does it surprise you that he wanted to leave that culture? In a way, because, you know, there's a lot of them that uh, yeah. after so many years... Yeah. Sometimes they were rescued. And There's they, a lot of stories about white kids in Texas taken by the Comanches that didn't want to leave later Exactly. On. Well, sometimes they were there 20, 30 years, yeah. and that was their family. Yeah. A lot of times they had married uh, uh, into the family, and that was their family, especially if they were taken very young. Yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, Thomas, uh, actually, uh, Ingalls later, later served as a lieutenant colonel, uh, and uh, he fought against the Shawnee. He got married. Uh, he had three children. Uh, in 1782, his wife and three children were kidnapped by Indians. Thomas came to the rescue, and in this battle, the two older children were killed. His oh wife was uh, injured, but she survived. But he rescued his wife and his youngest daughter. Hmm. Now, I, I mentioned Betty Robertson Draper, the sister-in-law of Yeah, Mary. what happened to her? She act, would have been taken captive, but uh, and she was actually a widowed Cherokee, uh, had been uh, a widowed Cherokee chief's wife. Oh, my. But she was ransomed, and she actually came back 
to the English as well. What about their descendants? Uh, That's, uh, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, Thomas, they had four more children. And then, of course, Thomas the And this was what, like in the 1800s by then, right? No, 1775, uh, 1782 was when uh, the son Thomas got married. Mm. So, yeah, they would have been uh, up into the 1800s, the, the children. But then when she died, her children, uh, what about their children, which would have been her grandchildren? Yeah. That, that would have been almost till uh, the 20th century, the well, 1900s, right? Mary, Mary died in 1815. Ah. So she had children and she, uh, probably great-grandchildren at that point. I see. Yeah, she died at the age of 83. Well, it sounds like you had a harrowing life. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I wish I knew exactly the story. and But unfortunately, with things like this, you kind of have to take what, what is written and what is heard. Who gave you the information for that story? That was Michael back in Virginia. Well, Michael, if you're listening this morning, uh, Dr. History and I have said many, many times we'd like to find some of the descendants of these stories. Yeah. And I wonder if it would ever be that there are still are descendants living back there. You know, uh, and actually probably a lot of them actually headed west, don't you think? I would point, think, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm sure there's got to be with four children and Thomas, five children, there's got to be kids and grandkids and great great. What's the number one thing that stands out to you when you read these stories and hear these stories? The hardship and the hard living that they had to put up with. You know, just the fact that they went to the western frontier yeah. and started this uh, Draper Meadows yeah. uh, Pioneer Village, yeah. that had to be very hard in itself. Oh, the, my. I mean, the farming, clearing trees. Trying to get food. Trying to get food. You didn't the, go to a Seven Eleven. No, and just the, you know, you, you were with a group of people, so I'm sure they helped out each other, you know, and uh, from what I read, uh, her husband Mary was a, a mile or two away when they were attacked. Uh, working the farm ground with some other men. So by the time they got to where the attack had taken place, it had already taken place. Wow. You know, thank you to all the listeners of this program, and thank you for the information. i got to run, but I do say thanks. It's great. You have a great day, Zeb. All right, bearded one, thank you. Get back up with your llama and take off for the highest peak. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. (laughs) History.